0: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Indeed, the Lord is near. These are the words that we will say at Mass on the third Sunday of Advent, which is known as Gaudete Sunday, precisely because Gaudete in Latin is this first word of the Antiphon, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. This antiphon is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. And something that is striking is how he repeats himself twice. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. We can ask ourselves, why, why the repetition? In biblical language, Our Lord sometimes repeats himself when he wants to make a point, when he wants to emphasize something, when he wants to call attention to us and say, you know, look here, this is important. Take for instance, when our Lord wants to stop Abraham from killing Isaac, he sends an angel to stop him and he hears the words, Abraham, Abraham, you know. I know that you're taking me seriously now that you fear God and, you know, don't kill your son. Or when, for instance, Martha is all upset that her sister Mary is not helping her. And Jesus feels the need to call attention to her in, in a solemn way, you know, have her pay attention to his words. He says, Martha, Martha. You are concerned about many things. Only one thing is necessary. Or even Paul himself, when he first encountered our Lord, he heard the word, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? Whenever we hear something twice, or even more than twice, in the Bible, there is an emphasis placed. And what is the emphasis here? The emphasis is that we ought to rejoice that this is really important it's not something uh, that is to be left for you know extra credit or something like that it is it's not a nicety it is absolutely necessary rejoice in the lord always why because the lord is near the lord is near this presence of our Lord is the cause of our joy. This is what makes us joyful, what makes us happy. One of the things that is also striking in this antiphon is that Saint Paul doesn't say rejoice in the Lord sometimes, or rejoice in the Lord when things are going well, when you got a raise from your boss or or when you were awarded for something heroic that you did or when you got an A plus on the exam or when things are just rosy in your life rejoice no he doesn't say that he says always no matter what rejoice in the lord always doesn't matter what's happening outside doesn't matter what our grades are like, or what the weather is like, or what our emotional state is like right now. What matters is that we be close to our Lord, and only insofar as we let our Lord be close to us can we be truly joyful, can we be cheerful, and can we radiate cheerfulness to others. our Lord says that the kind of joy that we are talking about here is not just any kind of joy. It is actually a special kind of joy. And he wanted to let the apostles know what kind of joy it was. He says, as he is in the Last Supper, as he's about to leave, he says, A woman about to give birth has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has brought forth the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for her joy that a man is born into the world. And you, therefore, have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no one shall take from you. This is the kind of joy that our Lord is talking about. The one that He will give us when we are close to Him, when we see Him with the eyes of faith and that kind of joy, no one will be able to take away from us. You have to think closely about this. If someone can take away our joy or if we lose our joy for whatever reason, then maybe that was not the joy that comes from our Lord. Certainly it is not the joy that comes from our Lord. If it, if it went away with the weather with a gloomy day or with a setback or a contradiction or whatever, that was not the joy that came from our Lord. It can't be, because the joy that comes from our Lord, no one will be able to take away from us. That's a a, a characteristic of the joy that we are talking about here. So sometimes we have to examine ourselves and say, "What, what has given me joy? And that joy, if it can be taken away because it depends on something external, then I better not place too much of my heart in it. Because it will disappear. And I will be disappointed. I should not expect from the world, or anything worldly, or anything external to me, something that will culminate my every desire. I should only expect that from our Lord. From that which is truly eternal from God himself when the apostles realize that it is time for our lord to leave them at the ascension they gather together with him and our lord goes up to heaven and sacred scripture tells us that afterwards the apostles went home rejoicing with a, with a deep joy within. Pope Benedict XVI, in his work, Jesus of Nazareth, asks the question, which is an interesting problem, actually. He poses the, uh, the following problem. Why did the apostles rejoice after Jesus had left? It's, it's an interesting question because, you know, imagine if someone goes to your house for dinner and you are really happy only when they leave or when they leave you, you, you say, great, I'm happy that, that they're no longer here. I, I mean, what it implies is that, that they were a nuisance to you when they were there, that their presence was something that, that annoyed you. And and the question is 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 that what's happening here with Jesus when Jesus goes away everybody's happy because he went away and the answer is obviously not but the question is still is still at large what why do they rejoice the normal reaction would be that they would be sad that there is kind of a you know a somber it's a somber moment for them when Jesus leaves but that's not the case they rejoice the answer that Pope Benedict gives is that Jesus didn't leave them. He left them visually perhaps, but he became present in the world in another way, in an invisible way, but in a true way. And he became present to them within them. And that's why they were rejoicing. They were, they were bearers of G Je- of Christ, of Jesus. They were. There were kind of little temples of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Trinity. As Jesus had promised, I will make my abode in you. And that's exactly why they rejoice, Because somehow, at that point, they realized the presence of God within them. Rejoice in the Lord always, for the Lord is near. Indeed, the Lord is near. That's why we ought to rejoice. Sometimes we don't see or recognize Jesus within us. And we have to know through faith, as Saint Augustine says, that He is more intimate to us than we are to ourselves. That's how how much how present He is within. But we forget that sometimes, and that's why we lose our joy. And like Saint Augustine uh, would say would actually remark in his confessions, when he was looking for God outside, in pleasure or in things or in whatever it was, erudition even, when we look for happiness outside, we get dispersed. But when we realize that He is within us and we look within our soul, then we rejoice. We find this inner joy that comes with peace and the characteristic of the joy is that no one no situation from the outside can take away from us that's why saint jose writes in the way the following point for our consideration the cheerfulness you should have is not the kind we might call physiological like that of a healthy animal rather it is the supernatural happiness that comes from the abandonment of everything, including yourself, into the loving arms of our Father God. You have to think about if our happiness is caused by kind of a, a physiological state, or rather, if it is the the abandonment to the will of God that is the cause of our joy. The apostles somehow ran away when when they were confronted with death, the death of our Lord, and when they realized that he was going to be arrested and that he was going to be crucified. In Gethsemane, they had sleepiness of sorrow, as the gospel tells us. They were sad because they did not want to face the reality of our Lord's passion. But our Lord, because he prayed, he was able to transform his human instinct you know, to run away from death and to give this suffering that he was going to undergo a meaning of love, which made him very peaceful. And that's why he was able to go through it and keep focused on what was important, which was our redemption. He was very happy to have suffered, even though suffering obviously brought tears to his eyes and and brought him a lot of pain. But the, the joy that he is talking about here is compatible with the cross. Totally compatible. That's the one that no one will be able to take away from us. The... The fact is that when we are sad, when we, and we all have sadness, some somehow, somewhere. We just have to examine ourselves. That the cause is some obstacle between God and me. That's what Saint Saint Josemaria says. You are unhappy, he asks. Think, there must be an obstacle between God and me. You will seldom be wrong, he says. Seldom be wrong. Sometimes we could, you know, be wrong because we're sad, because we're tired. And that's something that we have to deal with, and we have to rest, and we have to take a break. But at other times, most times, it is because we have been selfish, and we have to... to, See what the source of that is. It's really our lack of interior life that makes us sad. It's thinking about ourselves that makes us sad. I like to think of human beings as airplanes, if you allow me this analogy. Airplanes that at times fly too low. And... Our wings begin to hit the trees and we look out of our window and we say, Hey, I want to be like, like those cars down there on the highway. They're not hitting any trees. All I have to do is get rid of, get rid of these wings and I could be like a car and I will be happy because it is all these commitments that I have made to our Lord that are making me tired or weighed down or somber And and I just need more time. And I don't have time to pray. And I don't have time to go to Mass. And I don't have time to do all these things for God. Because my world somehow is going around me. And making me dizzy. And I just got to get rid of these commitments. That's not the answer. The answer is that we're flying too low. The answer is we have to fly higher. We have to pray better. We have to pray better. Really engaging our Lord. There's a difference between devotional prayer, which sometimes, if we don't really have interior life, a true interior life, we can go through one devotion after another and just move our lips and go through a routine. But that kind of prayer quickly becomes emptied of its power if we don't accompany it also at some other point of the day with mental prayer as saint Teresa of avila would call it prayer that really engages our soul with god where we talk to god when we simply open up our hearts like so many people in the gospel just simply spill the beans this is what's wrong like the blind man when you know our lord asked him, what do you want lord that i may see to simply, there's no beating around the board. It's just, Lord, here is what happened. This is why I'm sad. The disciples going back to Emmaus. This is why we're sad. Because we had placed our hope in the Jesus of Nazareth who has been killed by our chief priests. And now we don't have any hope. If we talk to our Lord, if we pray, we will be on our way to getting this joy that no one will be able to take away from us. If we don't pray, we will become victims, victims of everything external, of everything that happens to us, of the weather, of everything that can change. We have to ground our joy in eternal things, not in things that change. Pope Francis in one of his homilies, one of his homilies says that at times When difficulties come, temptations to give up also come, and complaints rise to our lips. He says, sometimes we say, look what I have to deal with, and then a complaint. And he says, a Christian who constantly complains fails to be a good Christian. They become Mr. or Mrs. Whiner, no? Because they always complain about everything, right? Silence in endurance, silence in patience, that silence of Jesus. Jesus in his passion did not speak much, only two or three necessary words, but it is not a sad silence. The silence of bearing the cross is not a sad silence. It is painful, but it is not sad. The joy that our Lord has in store for us is a joy that is absolutely compatible with the cross. And only in prayer can we have access to that. That's the first thing we can do to make sure that we rejoice in the Lord always. Prayer. Prayer. Make time for prayer. I don't know what your schedule is like, but sometimes we simply have to make it a point of stopping and blocking out 15 or even 20 minutes to contemplate. Maybe we do this in front of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. That's the ideal place. But also, if we don't have that available to us, we can take a walk or we can close our door in our room, like our Lord says, and there speak to our Father God and open up our soul to Him. But what else can we do? Prayer is one thing. What is another way of accessing this joy that no one can take away from us? To rejoice in the Lord. I would say the second thing we can do is forgiveness. We have to forgive and be forgiven. And this Advent is a good time to actually go to confession, make a good examination of conscience, think what we can improve in, Make a good act of contrition and go to the ministers of the sacrament of penance, the priests that our Lord has called for this purpose, and just tell them, Father, I I want to go to confession. When we do that, we find so much peace, so much joy. It really is impressive to see how many people leave the confessional with a big smile, if not... On the outside, certainly on the inside, because they have they have found favor with God. They have been uh, they have corresponded to the grace uh, that our Lord has given them to to be sorry for their sins and to change their lives. It's very important, a very important source of joy, to be forgiven. Another thing. With regard to forgiveness, that we can do this Advent is go to someone and say, I'm sorry. Someone that we have offended, someone that gets on our nerves habitually. You know, we don't have any enemies as Christians, but we certainly have people, loved ones who get on our mm-hmm. nerves. That we have every day. Whether it be your spouse or your children or a friend or your roommate our classmate, or teacher, or whomever, we need to learn how to say, I'm sorry. And that brings joy as well, because it puts things that were obstacles to our relationship kind of under the bridge. What are we giving when when we forgive? When we forgive, we're giving people a second chance. Who actually make amends with us as well? If they ask us to be forgiven, what do we withhold when we don't forgive? It's kind of tricky um, to actually put our finger on on what is actually given or withheld in in forgiveness, but because it's not something material that we can touch, but um, When we don't forgive, we are seeking the condemnation of that person so that they rot in their injustice or in their crime against us. And we need to realize that when we forgive them, we give them the possibility to make amends with themselves, to be able to live with themselves, to forgive themselves. And that's actually another thing we can do is Forgive those people who have trespassed against us. God loves a cheerful giver, a joyful giver, says St. Paul to the Corinthians. And I would dare say that we're not too far from the truth if we were to change the, the this statement of Scripture, this verse, To these words, God loves a cheerful forgiver. If we forgive others, God will love us and we will also have great joy. What is another thing we can do? A third thing that we can do in order to solidify our joy and make it the eternal joy that our Lord is calling us to have. We can serve. And this holiday season, when we are together with family members, we will have many opportunities to serve and actually to think of ourselves last. We can give ourselves cheerfully. That's a characteristic of our service. Because if we serve, but we don't smile when we serve, it's almost as if the service were not done at all. It's a humiliating service. It's like somebody you know serving us a plate and we say you know they say here have it you know it's just not right and we say well listen i'll get it myself you know <laughs> if you're going to be that nasty in serving me then forget it when we serve this christmas when we're around others we want to serve with a smile not humiliating them thinking that it is a privilege for us to serve them and in fact it is in fact it is The way to do this is to spell joy with our lives. Joy in English is spelled J-O-Y and this could be a good reminder that we need to think of Jesus first, then of others, and then of yourself. If we're not good at spelling and because of original sin, we tend to misspell this word and, and not have joy. We tend to spell it, yo! Yourself first, and then others, and then we forget about Jesus altogether. But that doesn't spell joy. We really miss out on the joy that Jesus is promising us. Because we are not spelling it in the right order. Let us take to heart these three things that we can do this Advent and this Christmas season. First, prayer. Then, come into contact with forgiveness, meaning ask for forgiveness from our Lord by going to confession, saying I'm sorry to others that we have offended, or forgiving others who have offended us. And lastly, to serve, to serve joyfully, putting Jesus first, then the others, and then myself. We turn to Mary, who is the cause of our joy. Why is she the cause of our joy? Because she has Jesus. Wherever she is, she is somehow in the presence of God. In fact, that's how the angel greeted her. Rejoice, O highly favored one. The Lord is with you. It is this presence of our Lord that makes her extremely joyful. And her joy is one that not only no one can take away from her because she carries him within her womb, but it is a joy that is a giving joy she she has to give it to others and that's why she runs quickly to visit her cousin elizabeth and take jesus to her let us ask her to give us this same kind of joy by incarnating our lord himself in our lives